if you're ready, I'm ready. I got I got uh, Green Lantern seventy five pulled up right yeah, now. Let me, let me pull it out of the bag so it's at least ready here and i'll bring us in you're listening to just one of the guys where despite the conclusion of guy gardner's book we'll not be changing to just one of the guy Another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. This, as always, is an internet radio show dedicated to bringing you coverage of the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, two of the greatest Green Lanterns out there, and one of the greatest Green Lanterns who, unfortunately, we're not going to be seeing much of. Yep. Sadly, we're coming to the end of the run of the Guy Gardner Warrior series. <laughs> and thankfully, it kind of goes out on a high note, despite the fact that it also feels that the ending was kind of, well, shoved down their throat really quick. But we'll get to that after we get to another sort of ending in Green Lantern, where Green Lantern finally figures out just who the heck is threatening the Dark Stars. Not that anyone really cares what happens to dark stars but it's part of the book and we have to cover it and of course by we i mean myself and my very special guest the host of better in the dark with his best friend derek ferguson and the author of the upcoming book new roads to hell the shadow legion volume one ladies and gentlemen my very good friend and semi-regular co-host mr thomas dj how's it going today thomas well, I just got word from some dying alien guy that I'm the son of Darkseid. Uh, do you have an I, awesome mullet now? <laughs> because <laughs> all the sons of Darkseid have awesome mullets. They have amazing. It is so 
such a 90s mullet. It is, it is just amazing. It, it's kind of it, like Captain those, Adam the shape. Those big military jackets that, the, that all the princes of England have to wear every once in a while. <laughs> but we will be getting to the mulleted son of Darkseid, spoilers, as well as the sad, sad ending to Guy Gardner Warrior. Come back, I think, I think both both Thomas and I will be weeping over, unfortunately. But after this, after this break and after these promos, we'll be back and we'll take a look at uh, Green Lantern number seventy-five. Enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Illogic, foolish emotions, a constant irritant, and transparent freaks. Two. Well, I'm in a circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. You got that lucky to kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now, come on, hey, let's God, go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julia, shoot. I said shut up! It's a man home! A man home! TwoTrueFreaks.com Throughout its history, people have found this place disquieting. Strange and unexplained phenomena run rampant, so much so that it's been called the city that lives by night. And the city that lives by night needs a darker form of protector. Black Talon. Please don't kill me! You tell them all, Nocturne is the Talon's hunting ground. Your kind had best look elsewhere for prey. Nightbreaker. What was this? Some sort of joke? No, 
Gloria, this sounds crazy, I know, but she did shoot me. Something happened. I'm still not sure what, but people don't recognize unless I truly concentrate on their wanting to see me. It's like I'm invisible. Fairyman, the ghost you refer to have done more for me than you two have. They've given me my sight back. <laughs> They've given me better than my sight back. Dreamcatcher. Witches, warlocks, mages, magicians, shamans. Call us what you like. It's all the same. We've helped when we can. Eluded those too ignorant to understand that magic isn't evil. And it's made us sensitive to others who have magic running in their veins. A quartet of heroes standing together must face a new menace. This can be painless, you know. You ain't putting the front on me, Slag. Just tell your shot, yeah? I was hoping you'd say that. Who is going to use the roughest elements of the city? You that rose red bitch? That's right. I'm not even mad at you for adding the bitch part. Because I am. And I know you guys are some of the nastiest, toughest, roughest, meanest bastards in this town. Am I right? Yeah! Good, because I have need of you. To send this city... Come on! To end tonight. Down New Roads to Hell. New Roads to Hell, the first Shadow Legion adventure by Thomas DJ. A new novel coming soon from Airship 27. For more information, including character sketches and behind-the-scenes information... Visit the Nocturne Travel Agency at welcometonocturne.blogspot.com and airship27.com. And we are back. So, after those promos, it's time to head right in to our coverage of Green Lantern number 75. Green Lantern 75 was cover dated early July 1996 and released on May 1st, 1996. The cover price is $1.75 US and $2.50 Canada. The title... Well, there really wasn't an actual title given, but on the cover it says Last Stand. In fact, you know, Stand has been pretty much a ubiquitous title throughout the past three books. It's kind of unusual. The writer was Ron Mars. Penciler was Daryl Banks. Inker was Romeo Tangal. Colorist was Pat Garahay. Letterer, Albert Guzman. Associate Editor, Eddie Braganza. And Editor, Kevin Dooley. Slowly fading into consciousness, Adam Strange sees Green Lantern and Kyle Rayner going toe-to-toe with the warlord Graven amidst the broken bodies of the Dark Stars. Realizing that Jon Stewart's life is at stake, Adam and Donna drag Jon to safety while Kyle faces off with Graven. As the Lantern tries to take down the Titan, Adam fills Donna in on what has happened, the fleet attack, the Dark Stars' defense, and the arrival of the antagonist Graven. However, the entire recap is brought to a halt, as Donna and Adam realize that John has stopped breathing. Back outside, Kyle is trying to get some information on who he's fighting in hopes that it'll give him an edge. Graven reveals that he is the bastard son of Darkseid, and that he plans on overthrowing his father and ruling over Apocalypse. As Graven monologues, Donna tries to give John CPR to bring him back from the void. She succeeds, and rather than make sure that John is stable, She's sent out by John to help with the rest of the heroes. Meanwhile, Kyle listens more of Raven's claims of how he'll subjugate Apocalypse as he tries to find a way to stop his rampage. Raven fires a blast, which misses Kyle, but burns through the ground, making Kyle realize that he's actually trying to crash the floating city into the sur- surface of Ron. Raven then tackles the youthful lantern, burying him underneath the rubble. Then we cut to Donna and Adam entering the fray with the remaining dark stars as things are starting to look grim. Marin heads off to in, to her injured snuggle buddy John, but Donna curtails that, saying that they need to keep on trying to defend the city, 
At the same time, Raven tells his minion, Cynthia, to seek out the Mega Zeta Beams so that they transport themselves directly to Apocalypse. But Kyle, decked out in ring construct armor, plans on making sure that that doesn't happen as he pounds away at the illegitimate offspring of Darkseid. Raven is unfazed and unleashes devastating eye blast at Green Lantern until he's distracted by the Zeta Beam fired at him from a barely conscious Jon Stewart. And it's that opportunity that Kyle used takes to push Graven into the beam, displacing him to parts unknown. And with their leader out of the picture, Cynthia orders the attacking forces to retreat. Kyle rushes in to check on John, but the former GL says they're not clear just yet. With the city in freefall, Kyle must do whatever he can to stop it from crashing into the planet. Ringing up a giant set of thrusters, Kyle strains to slow the descent of Ranagar, putting all his will into the effort. Laboring against all odds, Cal manages to set the Dome City back down safely on the surface. Crisis averted, Cal assesses the damages. Adam says the city is safe, but in near ruin, and he's not certain if they can get medical assistance for John. Cal offers to transport him, Donna, and Marin back to Earth for treatment, while Adam Strange thanks Cal for everything he's done, saying it's now over for him. Cal accepts the thanks, but says it's just beginning for him, as he's Green Lantern. He's a human. Nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. And there we go, Greenland number 75. Thomas, do you want to give us some notes or some opinions on the show? I'd like to start with talking about the cover here, because I think that this story is actually called Last Stand. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the way the story flows... The cover is actually the first panel. That, yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah, you're looking you're looking at it from you're looking at it from the eyes of uh, Graven, who's right. looking to sort of take out Kyle, and you turn into the first page and you pan over to Adam Strange, who's looking up to see what's going on. So yeah, right. That does make sense. That last stand would be would be that. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Never really thought about the cover actually being the first splash page for it i mean that's not uncommon you know having a cover be inside the book as a splash page but having the actual cover be the first page of the book is kind of new so that works yeah and i like the cover too it's it's a nice looking cover i think the artwork this time out by banks is a lot better he when he came back last time on on green lantern uh, the art seemed a bit off, and maybe it's just because I was so used to Pelletier doing mm-hmm. the artwork for the book. Because Pelletier's uh, expressions were really good, and in the last book, uh, Banks just drew the characters without any without any real emotions in their faces. It was just like he was drawing models. Right. And here uh, we get a lot more expression in the faces of the character and a lot more depth to them. So I'm liking that. Boy, Adam Strange is a wuss in this story, isn't he? Yes, he does. 
nothing. Sadly, nothing. And, you know, it, he's a character, I think, that deserves much better. I don't even know mm. if he's been introduced in the new 52 yet. Not I know he had I a big call. I know he had a big part prior to that with the whole thing with Hawkman and the Rand Thanagar war. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he's pretty much ineffectual. But I guess, you know, when you're taking on the son of Darkseid, ooh, you know, it's... He's bad. just a guy with a la- with a laser pistol and a jetpack. Mm-hmm. But I like the character, you know. Oh yeah, I like the character. No. He's an interesting character, but yeah, he's he's woefully underutilized here. He's a classic, you know, pulp hero um, archetype. He's the lost world guy, mm-hmm. the guy who, because of some circumstance, gets whisked away to this exotic land. In this case, the the planet Ranagar, and becomes its champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's, it's John Carter. It's any you know those yeah. pulp heroes of the of the the nineteen thirties and all that. So it's 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 Flash right. Gordon. Yeah, it, it just it's so fun. This is during a period in DC's history where they knew they wanted to have him around, but they had no idea what to do with him. So um, there was that really awful miniseries that that reveal that the use of the Zeta Bean had made Xanagar, st- I mean, sorry, not Xanagar, Aranagar sterile. Mm. Uh, there, it, it, that was done, it was like an early work by one of the Kubrick brothers. There was, uh, it's just, they were thrashing around trying to figure out something for him to do, and in this, he just kind of stands around, he makes reference to his daughter, but not to his wife, which I find funny. Yeah, because uh, in the last time that we saw Adam Strange in the Green Lantern book, you know, his wife and daughter were paramount. He was mm-hmm. dead set on making sure that his daughter, who for some reason was possessed with this you mind thing, which was led back to early issues with Green Lantern and Flash. So, yeah, it, it does kind of it, it is kind of odd that he's not thinking about his family as much in this issue. But that just may be Mars not having a, a, a knowledge of the character or the best knowledge base of the character. Mm-hmm. So. And then, of course, when we get to the double-page spread, we have the first appearance of really badly sunburned Marvel Hercules. I mean, sorry, Graven. <laughs> oh, man. Graven is a... He's wearing He-Man's chest armor, which is kind <laughs> of odd. Well, this is about the same time over at Marvel where John Byrne, quote-unquote, redesigned Hercules' out- outfit to look pretty much like that. Really? Yeah, although Poor Hercules. Yeah, and he was wearing that chest plate with jeans. <laughs> See, I remember the Hercules that was kind of uh, just dressed down in like t-shirt and jeans, or maybe I'm thinking mm-hmm. differently. But wearing this thing, this is that's pretty goofy. I mean, I I think we talked about this prior to the show that that Graven or that no that Ron Mars has hasn't really had the best of luck with introducing villains for the uh, Green Lantern comic. Mm-hmm. I mean, so far we've had uh, Purgatory, mm-hmm. not really did much of anything. Prior to that, you know, he had Dave brought Mustaine, back... Dave Mustaine, I mean, sorry. Um, sonar. sonar. <laughs> yes, the hair metal Sonar, who will be back <laughs> again, I'm certain. Oh, yeah. of course. Um, we're about to be... Int- after this After this story, we're going to get introduced to uh, Kyle's father, who is kind of a villain for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also very telling, you'll notice, that almost none of these characters stick around. Yeah. 
uh, with the exception of one that we're going to meet somewhere down the line, uh, Fatality, who does stick around and actually becomes a pretty big part of the Green Lantern universe when she be- ends up becoming a Star Sapphire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Morris has not had the best track record with with either bringing in old Green Lantern villains and trying to to update them for the time, mm-hmm. or bringing in new characters. I mean, and the idea of a, a bastard son of Darkseid is interesting, but I don't know if it's pulled off as well in this book. But it does give Kyle a, a big bad to fight, and you know, mm-hmm. someone who's, uh, w- which he's, it's someone whose power level he hasn't had to meet in any of his real battles. I mean, right. Purgatory, eh, not really. And the rest of the people he's fought have just been guys in suits or sonar. I mean, it, it does seem like this story is more about, it's almost like the unofficial fifth and sixth chapter to Hero's Quest. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, by intro- by introducing a bunch of guest stars and then writing one out of the writing a bunch of them out of the DC universe, and letting the other one kind of like sit around, going, "Oh, woe is me! My city is falling. Who will help me?" Mm-hmm. Well, it's sad that they they've done that to Adam Strange, which you know is an is an interesting character in his own right and deserves better than just sort of I don't think anyone really knows how to write him and I don't know why it's so difficult to write a a pulp hero it's mm-hmm. it, I think they would pretty much write himself he's a guy who's out of time who's out of his place and he's dealing with cosmic adventures that's it seems like a no-brainer to me yeah so then we get to like episode uh, page five and apparently they've got the biggest um dish tv receptor in the world (laughs) i guess you know i don't know if they've ever defined and i don't know why it's the mega zeta b now i guess because (laughs) it's the 90s it's it's the 90s it had to be mega you know it used to just be the zeta beam was what transported him to to ron or radagar or whatever but now yeah it had to be mega so um i do like on the next uh well not on the next page i do like that when Donna is giving John CPR. She's at least it. It at least looks like she's doing it correctly. Right. However, however, you know, I've I've taken basic life saving classes. I've taken these. The first thing you want to do is make sure they're breathing, not sure their heart is beating. And if they're she's going to be giving his rescue breathing, his head is in the wrong place. So I I don't know. That just kind of took me out of it, but. Um, it, it looks like John could have passed away, but you know, and then plus also if she is actually giving him chest compressions and doing it correctly, she's probably popped a couple of, uh, popped some of the cartilage off his sternum connected to his ribs. So he's probably going to have to have his yeah. ribs reset. Cause that's just, that's just one of the things that happens when you're actually doing CPR. Right. Just to let especially people... when the person doing CPR has Amazonian strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take that into consideration. Oh. Yeah. And now we've got, okay. So, so there's the panel in the middle here with like the various remaining dark stars. What's yeah. Dracula doing there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who the, I know it's Colin Farrell. I mean, Farron. Colin Farrell. 
whatever the hell his name is. And then there's Colin. F- was it Colin Farrell? Yeah, yeah Farron Colos. <laughs> I like the idea of Colin Farrell. Yeah, it's just here. Colin Farrell. Well, he was Dragon. I'm Dark Star, <laughs> damn it! I'm Dark Star. <laughs> and then we've got. Um, see, I was going to say the Dark Stars seem to just be, you know, the the second string Green Lantern because all of these people, you know. Uh, We've got John, who is a former Green Lantern, who came to the right. Dark Stars. We've got the ball guy, who I guess is Goliath Zed, maybe, if I'm remembering my character, who's who's turned into a Dark Star. I don't know if Marin was ever a Green Lantern, but, yeah, the Dark Stars have just never been characters that I've warmed to. And, you know, them having supposedly such a relationship to the Guardians and all that... I mean, would... it's an interesting. it was an interesting idea, the idea that if the Guardians came up with the idea of having like a, a peacekeeping course so would the the uh controllers which are you know the evolutionary offshoot mm-hmm. but the characters were just never that compelling that's why i think they kept bringing on here's john stewart and here's donna troy you like donna troy mm-hmm. and, you know, and somewhere somewhere uh young denity i was going no i don't <laughs> uh thought we were going to keep him out of this show unfortunately <laughs> it always comes back to I, I, can, can i address the fact is it just me or does john stewart like have some alien alien uh fever or something <laughs> yeah i was gonna mention i was gonna mention this john needs to sort of shy away from getting intimate or at least getting close to alien females because so far he hasn't really had good luck with them <laughs> um he's got alien fever she's got alien fever they've got alien fever they're in love Somewhere, Spike Lee is holding his head, going, "Ah, stop it, stop it!" Uh, uh, moving on to the more of the fight between Graven and you know, we get the reveal that Graven is the son of Darkseid, and you know, I guess that, I guess that's supposed to be impressive. I mean, uh, I was more impressed when Kyle was fighting Calabac a few issues back. I mean, it's nice to know that Darkseid is. Uh, like most gods of antiquity, you know, a likes to go. Son of a bitch. Yeah, likes to go and spread his seed around. That dark side is a playa, so that's <laughs> that's right, one. people. Dark side likes to. <laughs> 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 uh, if, if you're an omnipotent being, of course, wouldn't you? There you go. I wonder if he does what Zeus used to do and, and like come up with the crazy disguises. <laughs> that to me is always the fascinating to me about, about Greek uh, mythology. Yeah, how, that... he, how how he appears to someone as like a, a buck or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, a majestic stag, and they're like, I, I could I could come down looking like Ryan Gosling instead. <laughs> I think I will come down as a shower of gold to rape this woman. <laughs> 
Uh, shower of gold, that's an entirely different sexual preference. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not intended that way, but... <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to come down as a bull. <laughs> Rather than come down as, oh, I don't know, uh, Colin Farrell. <laughs> they said that would probably be... I know a few people who would probably be excited about that. Uh, we already covered the reviving John thing, and yeah. I guess, you know, that's... He, he has to at least be somewhat or mostly not dead for, in order for the rest of the story to play out. But, um... Now, I want to... We're up to, like, page nine, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, this origin that Graven gives of himself... First off, I love the fact that Kyle tries to bond with him in a way. Mm-hmm. By by saying, you know, well, my father, you know, my father treated me like crap too. But the origin he gives makes no sense. Mm-hmm. That he you was, know, he crushed my world before his heel, and then he passed on. But he left my mother with child. Yeah, it. It doesn't sound like anything that Dark said. I mean, I think maybe Mars is thinking more, you know, classic Roman or, or Greek gods rather than Dark Side because this doesn't sound like a fourth world type thing. I, you know, uh, all the things that I've read Dark Side war about was, you know, trying to rule over Apocalypse and trying to destroy uh, a New Genesis and his uh, battle with the High Father and all that and the, his search for. You know, the, the anti-life equation. So I don't... This whole idea of him trying to subjugate worlds, mm-hmm. that seems more of a... Oddly enough, that sounds more of a Galactus thing. Yeah. So maybe that's Mars pulling more from his you know, Silver Surfer book. I wonder if Mars had ever brought this you know, character back for long enough. He was going to pull a, um, a, a nebula on on Graven, hmm. you know ne- Nebula, who you know the Marvel Avengers villain who oh, kept yeah. running around saying I'm the granddaughter of Thanos, and then in it was an issue of I think it was Silver Surfer, Thanos shows up on Nebula's warship and says, "Stop saying that! <laughs> you can't be my granddaughter for this reason, this reason, this reason," and just leaves. It makes sense. Yeah, maybe that maybe that was – I don't know whether Mars was around because I know prior to this, Mars was doing a lot of Silver Surfer writing. So maybe if that occurred prior to when Mars was writing, maybe that was something they took from that and he was going to carry over to the Green Lantern storyline. I'm this. trying to remember how many more – how much longer we have before Judd Winnick takes over. Winnick's not at least until – Oh, it's wow. at least another year and a half, I think. I think Mars leaves for a little while, mm-hmm. but I don't think when it comes in until at least around 125. Okay. So we've, got, we've got a good year or so. Mm-hmm. So um, after this, it's just basically fight, 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 fight. You know, it's the, like, you would call it the punchy, punchy run run. Right. Do you find it interesting that that he has the, uh, on, like, the shield year in 10, he's got the Dark Star symbol on it? 
you know, I didn't even I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's the Darkster symbol uh, that he's holding up, uh, trying to shield himself. I also the one thing that I did mention that I didn't mention about Graven last issue, his eye beams, and this was kind of utilized, I think, more in the last book, had the Omega beam type effect where they weren't. Mm-hmm stereotypical like heat vision type stuff they had a zigzagging effect Mm -hmm. so i'll give that to you know i'll give that credit to mars and the rn banks in drawing that because that does sort of that does sort of give you an idea of who the character is related to so that was kind of neat but yeah until john zaps him with the zeta beam i really don't have any notes i like how in in it um on page 11, you know, Donna and Adam show up to the fight and say, we're, we're reinforcements. And Donna gets right to blasting alongside Colin Farrell. <laughs> now I'm doing it. It's and what does Adam Strange do? Kind of hover in the background. Yes. <laughs> Adam, damn it, are so underused. Get in there and beat some ass. <sighs> and even, you know, demon, vampire, red-skinned... Nightcrawler guy over here on page twelve. <laughs> what the hell is his? And I guess I guess someone died. One of the dark stars died. So yeah, and and uh, we see Madball head, Madball head, <laughs> chomping down on somebody's arm. And see the, the whole thing about these attacking forces. No one really. There's supposed to be this entire armada that they're fighting. Mm-hmm. It's completely. Uh, it yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the story. Graven is in here, and even this character of Cynthia, which has this... I didn't even know she was a, a part of this until, I think, was it issue, uh, page 13 or so? Yeah, she's there for, like, you know, just she's just standing around, you know, saying, Good job! You're doing awesome! <laughs> and, of course, we have Marin going, Oh, I have to be with my whoopies! You know, just more... More useless drama, and don't yeah. don't get attached to him. He'll just and you'll end up dead, Marin. Please. <laughs> uh, you know Kyle's pretty heroic as he rings up another gigantic. It's a nice mixture between the sort of anime, sort of mm-hmm. ek type stuff, and the classic Conan type armor garb. So I mean, there's a definite samurai feel. Mm-hmm. To it, particularly in the the upper, and you know what else it kind of looks like. As much as I hate to admit it, Iron Man. No, no. What? Guy Gardner Goofus armor. Oh God, you had to bring that up. <laughs> well, we're gonna see it later today. <laughs> There's so. no tubes in the back. No tubes, okay. so it can't be <laughs> can't be that. But much it's got like. a really cool ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nineties, Jake. It's the nineties. <laughs> um you know kyle's not giving up i'm i'm glad and we see at the same time john trying to work his way over to the mega zeta beam Mm -hmm. would you like some big ass fries (laughs) And, and i like the fact that he misses and then you know kyle pushes uh, graven into it i'm hoping that i'm hoping that john at least programmed it to go somewhere where graven's not going to be seen you know it would be i think it would have been neat if he would have said that he if they could have somehow connected it to the 
for the man who had everything right. and connected it to the fact that, you know, John sent him off to that black hole on the far side of the galaxy where Superman was supposed to dump Mongol in that story. Right. That would have been kind of neat. But yeah, just blasting him in the Zeta beam to who knows where that doesn't work out. The, the funny thing is, considering where the Zeta beam usually is put, he's probably somewhere in South America going, where is this place? <laughs> What are all these strange animals? I smell coffee. <laughs> Sorry, because <laughs> of course that's what all the, that's what <laughs> that's, all that's all of the South apocalypse America. is like. Yeah. They like to sit down with a good cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, God, you know, tangent here. I remember, oh, what was it? An ad for Sovereign, Sovereign Seven. Seven? Yes, where you know it, the number one thing was Dark Side drinking a cup of cappuccino, and that's just the first three issues. I like. What the hell, Claremont? (laughs) To be fair, those first couple of issues are actually kind of fun. Okay. Well, that's good. Then it becomes the cavalcade of Chris Claremont vaguely S&M tropes. Uh So maybe that's why it's not, you know, as well regarded as it's run on the X titles. Okay. Right. Um... Moving on, we get the, you know, the, since Raven's been sent away, it's obviously time to retreat. Mm-hmm. And since Kyle realized that Graven was trying to bring the city down, Kyle gets this uh, awesome, awesome two-page splash on 18 and right. 19 of utilizing as much power as he can to try and save this floating city. And this is what I like from the Greenlander books and from Kyle in particular is when he has to do these big jobs, you know, Superman, you know, him lifting up, uh, the helicopter and Superman one or saving this plane and all that. That's awesome. But when you are keeping an entire floating city from falling to the ground or later on, we'll see this in the DC one million mm-hmm. where Kyle, uh, basically ring constructs around a living sun to keep it from go, keep it contained while it goes supernova. These kind of big event things are what I really, really love about the green lanterns and really, really love about and Kyle's character. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. I mean, you have this, uh, I was at page 20. I'm looking at now yeah. where you've got the effects on the left-hand side of what he, what he's doing. And you see on the right-hand side, that he, it's not easy for him. Yes. He is, with his little artfully ripped uniform, mm-hmm. is he's just, not. Yeah, he's just struggling. He is putting every ounce of his will to get this done, and it's it's great work by Banks here. This is this is really much improved artwork over that last mm-hmm. issue. I think that last issue just he was getting the feel his feel back into the book, and here he's got it because you can tell that Kyle is doing putting everything in to making sure that the city survives and it, it's it's really glorious it's really just amazing artwork here but uh it, it again you know cements kyle as at least as good a green lantern if not better than hal jordan i mean only without say, the oh, yeah. horn dogginess well yeah well you know we'll see in later issues that kyle Kyle, you know, coming up, I've just been reading up uh, for upcoming issues, the the Green Arrow, Green Lantern crossover. Mm -hmm. And 
Kyle does have his moments of horn dockiness, but it's not. It's nowhere as bad as. I want to bang every woman I see. <laughs> I want to bang. <laughs> Sorry. Nowhere as bad as Hal Jordan was in the early issues of this Green Lantern run. I mean. Oh God. Uh, but we get the. We get I mean, the. Yeah. To be fair, I, I honestly do think that if you look at Kyle's run as a like the Kyle run as a whole, he's a fairly faithful guy. When he finds somebody, he pretty much sticks with them. Mm-hmm. Now you he know, may, he may like the he may like the ladies. He may have one to mm-hmm. die, but he's not unfaithful. He's not a person who's going to go around and you know be with multiple women. He's a faithful character. Yes, but he's not he's, going to say. You know, Donna, I think I'm going to stick with you while, like, you know, eyeing some chicky on the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think... You know, Carol Ferris, (laughs) I think it's time we settle down right after I bang Olivia Reynolds. Oh, and by the way, do you mind if I have Carrie Limbo in the wings? She wants to get married. (laughs) Carrie Limbo is a whore. (laughs) (sighs) But we get. I'm a heterosexual man. <laughs> I wanna do it whenever I can. Uh, the all musical <laughs> episode of Just <laughs> Guys. I'm a heterosexual man. Just a heterosexual man. I wanna do every woman I know. I wanna do it to them in their clothes. I wanna make it with them. We get the, you know, we get the wrap up, you know, with Kyle save the city. And even though I, I'm glad that he didn't, you know, completely save the city, that Adam comes in and says, you know, things are looking bad, but I think we'll be able to recover. That's nice. I don't want it to be, oh, everything's perfect and sunshine and lollipops and puppies and kittens. They, they've been devastated, but it's not, it's not, uh, Oh, Man of Steel, Metropolis. Oops. Yeah, sorry, don't mean to court controversy. And, and here, of course, we also get the the formal writing out of the DC universe of the Dark Stars. Yes, we're gonna stay here on Ran and help build Ranagar and never be heard from again. <laughs> bye, bye, Dark Stars. You will be sorely missed by maybe two bye. people. <laughs> Uh, Except but, for, of course, Donna, who has a, a plot thread with, with Kyle to continue, and Marin, who's going to kind of wander around the periphery with Jon Stewart for a while. Mm-hmm. Until, you know, unfortunately, Jon does something to destroy her home world and, <laughs> you know, kill her off as well. So, But in the end, you know, we get the, we get the final splash of, you know, Kyle bring the people back in a little... I don't. He's towing. It the, looks the like a. Uh, you remember the Micronauts? Yes. 
It looks like one of the. I can't remember what the name of it was. It looks like one of the Micronaut vehicles. You know it does. Yeah, it looks like one of those little transformable things. Yeah, and the it's nice that you can see the two characters in there. You know, with John and the little life support thing. But what's weird is Kyle, it's not being, it's not got its old propulsion. Kyle is like towing it. He's Rudolph. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. And I love the fact that in the first panel on this page, it's all of a sudden at the beginning of this thing, it's like, She's my ex-girlfriend, and she, the only reason she came for me was because she needed my help. And now it's like, well, I guess we have a lot to talk about, honey. Yeah, well, maybe it's not the best way of you know, getting them. I mean... It's I, not like, let's say, oh, some writer from an entirely other book comes up to you and says, you, can't, you can use my character again until I decide you want, I want her back. <laughs> That would never happen, would it? No, of course not. John Byrne. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think in this book we had the first really epic save for Kyle Rayner. I mean, you know, we've seen him do pretty impressive things. We've seen him take out Oa. We've seen him fight Parallax. Uh, but this is a really epic save, saving the city of Randigar. So I like this book. The artwork was much improved over the last time. And, you know, we're going to get back to maybe seeing Donna and Kyle, you know, resolve things. So Hey, maybe they'll stay together. We'll maybe have to they'll see get married. That. And they'll grow old together. <laughs> have lots of little dark-haired babies. You keep that dream alive, Thomas. Oh, but now I guess since we're done with this, it's time to take a little break as we gird our loins for the final, final, well, not really final issue, but the final issue in the series of Guy Gardner Warrior. So after this break, we'll say our goodbyes to beefy gun morphin guy. (laughs) He joined the crusade. He helped rule the night. He fought for justice. He wore short pants. Okay, so Robin didn't always have the best fashion sense. But there's no way that he should be ignored, ridiculed, or even derided by some Bat fans. He's been an important part of Batman's history for nearly 75 years, and that's why I've decided to give him his due in Taking Flight. Presented by the Batman Universe, Taking Flight is a podcast dedicated to all incarnations of the Boy Wonder, and every episode I take a look at the adventures of Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, Damian Wayne, and all the others who have worn the red, green, and gold at the side of the Cape Crusader. 
as well as in solo adventures, whether it be as Robin, Nightwing, Red Robin, or the Red Hood. New episodes appear every two weeks at the Batman Universe, which can be found at thebatmanuniverse.net, and you can find additional show notes and other media at popcultureaffidavit.com. So join me, Tom Panneries, as I put the spotlight on the greatest sidekick in comicdom. The Bronze Age of Comics, an era largely ignored as far as Superman goes, and an era that some consider to still be part of the Silver Age. Sure, a lot of people know about the Kryptonite Nevermore storyline, where all the kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron and Clark Kent goes from a newspaper reporter to a TV reporter. Then there are the Alan Moore stories, for the man who has everything and whatever happens to the man of tomorrow. But in an era that lasted 15 years, surely there's more to the Bronze Age than that, right? Well, my name is Charlie Niemeyer, and every other week, I shine the spotlight on this long-overlooked era of Superman in the Bronze Age. Featuring such stories as the return of Jonathan Kent, two meetings with the Amazing Spider-Man, the Phantom Zone miniseries, the enlarging of Krypton, and more. Plus, J. David Weider also joins in to take a look at Superboy's Bronze Age adventures. So join in the fun at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com and www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we are back. Sadly, to take a look at A Warrior's Passing Part 2, issue number 44 of Guy Gardner Warrior. Okay. Don't cry, Thomas. You're going to make me cry. Guy Gardner Warrior number 44 was cover dated July 1996 and released on April 17, 1996. Cover price was $1.75 US and $2.50 Canada. The title was A Warrior's Passing Part 2, The Last Stand. We've got two stories with The Last Stand in them, so interesting. Writer was Bo Smith. Penciler this time out was Mitch Bird with uh, assist from Tom Grummet, Joe Staten, and Phil Jimenez. Awesome. Inker was Dan Davis, colorist Lee Lowridge, letterer Albert de Guzman, cover art was by Phil Jimenez, and editor was Eddie Briganza. Knowing full well it's a trap, an exhausted Guy Gardner heads toward a meeting with his formerly dead nemesis, Major Force. Unfortunately, Guy isn't even able to keep his body in its morph form due to the knockdown he just finished with Sledge, Black Serpent, Joe Gardner, and Dementor. As he follows the trail of notes left by Major Force, he swears that he'll avenge the death of Aresia, and he gets that chance as Force leaps from the water by the pier. Guys tries to morph any kind of weapon, but his body is wholly depleted. However, Major Force is filled with a brand new morphing power due to some warrior DNA provided to him by the Quorum, and with a blast from his hand cannon, the Fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights reserved, is on. Elsewhere, a remarkably clothed Martika is boarding the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier to track down Major Force and put a stop to the killing of Guy. Hopefully she will arrive soon as Force is pounding Guy, who isn't even able to armor his body up against the blows. Guy gets in a few good hits, but nothing powerful enough to stop the purple and gold psychopath. Guy manages to knock Force back into the drink, but the villain whips up some tentacles and drags Gardner under the water with him. 
gasping for air, Guy rips through Force's fleshy bonds and gets blasted back onto the pier for his trouble. Battered and bleeding, Guy takes blow after powerful blow from MF, still unwilling to quit the fight. But Force is ready to end it as he morphs his hand into spinning blades and rams it through Guy's chest. Having just arrived, Martika sees the carnage and uses her mental powers to try and subdue the murderer, but instead gets a blast to her face for her troubles. Force raises his hands in victory as Guy lies bleeding on the ground. But amazingly, something starts to happen, as the strange Voltarian gland, the one Buck talked about a few issues back, begins to form a new heart and seal up the hole in Guy's chest. And before you know it, Guy Gardner is back, and he's feeling pretty damn powerful. Standing with his foe's heart still in his hand, Major Force incredulously, incredulously looks back from the dead warrior, long enough for Guy to punch the f*** out of him. Force screams that this can't be happening, that he won't be cheated, but Guy responds with blasting a hole in his chest and then forcing a Voldarian implosion grenade down his throat, ridding the world of a walking atrocity. Saying that justice for Orisia was served, Guy realizes that evil is waging an ongoing war, and that he is the warrior. And I said it before last time, it did, even though we could kind of see that the thing was coming, and maybe that's just hindsight from us, mm-hmm. these past couple of issues felt really rushed. However, as rushed as they felt, I thought this was as good an ending to the character as we could possibly get, mm-hmm. especially for the Guy Gardner Warrior series. I, I would have loved the impression if... that... Uh... Bo Smith, the manly Wi-Fi of manliness. <laughs> um, knowing that this was it, this was his last shot. He, I think that he was really concentrating more on trying to reinforce the conception he had of Guy. That's what I see as well. Yeah, that he wanted to put forth the idea that Guy is not is not this big alien shooty thing. That he is, as you've said before so eloquently, the two-fisted man of action. And I mm-hmm. love the fact that throughout the entirety of this book, up until you know after Guy is essentially reborn, he doesn't use anything but his fists. He doesn't morph a weapon. He doesn't mm-hmm. armor himself up. He doesn't change in any way. He's just fighting against all odds against this person who is far overpowered and not – at one time in the book, does he back down or even think about giving up? And mm-hmm. that's that's the way Bo Smith, I think, wanted to have the character. And it's awesome that he's able to write him this way in this last issue. Um, the artwork. This is the you know the first time we've seen. I, I've seen Mitch Bird since he last graced these pages. Mm-hmm. And God, he got so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I don't know if uh, Guy Gardner... Well, I know Mitch Bird did a little work, I think, in... I want to say in the Dark Stars book, oddly enough, mm-hmm. prior to coming over to Guy Gardner, uh, starting with Chuck Dixon and then moving on to Bo Smith. But mm-hmm. yes, the artwork in here is just so improved. Um, now, the cover uh, is by, like I said, is by Jimenez, and that's a nice cover, and it doesn't yeah. really... It's one of those things that doesn't really bury the lead. 
mm-hmm. you kind of get that, oh, major force here is going to get a hole blown through his chest. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those covers that, you know, uh, it's pretty much a big spoiler. You know, it basically you know, spoils the entire ending of the book. But who cares? You want to see right. Guy Gardner kill major force. Although I find it funny that we have three people die in this in this book. Mm-hmm. Arisa, Arisa, yeah, Major Force, and Martika. Mm-hmm. Only one of them remains dead. Well, and that's unfortunately the character that was wholly created for this storyline. I mean, yeah. I guess that's kind of sad that they wiped out the character that Bo Smith created. You know. Uh, when we do, and we're still working on this, folks, we're still working on getting mm-hmm. our interview in with Bo Smith. When we do get that, uh, you know, I'd like to ask him, you know, what he was hoping on doing with these characters because well, I get think the he impression had an idea. that Martika was an enti- was intended to be an entirely different character than what she ends up becoming in mm-hmm. this issue. And then that's kind of sad that you know he has to take this character out. But mm-hmm. yeah, Arisi is back. And Major Force is now a big part of uh, the New 52. In fact, he even came back prior to that. He came mm-hmm. back to face off with Kyle near the end of his run. So, right. Sadly, death isn't what it used to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like 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 you said, the artwork in this is just miles above what we saw. And I think I think Bird really. I like the fact that Bird's still drawing Guy very muscled it's mm-hmm. it's a lot different from the staten stuff that i which used to be really lean but right. he doesn't look in these first opening pages to be too over the top he just looks like a, right. a really fit guy mm-hmm. and uh the the two-page splash of major force yeah. coming out of the water that is awesome there's so much detail on this page you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the the barnacles on mm-hmm. the yeah and the the the, the look on the pier, the coloring is even better here. The, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I used to complain about the darkness of the coloring. I think the fact that we've got Major Force who's got that sort of gold sheen in part of his uh, armor or body or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, you know, makes it pop a lot more. And this is just a really when when you do splash pages, they should be dynamic like this, and this is a really good two page splash. I think. Bird was able to take his time and do this kind of much like I think Jimenez was able to do on issue 29. So mm-hmm. next page, we get the confirmation, you know, we saw it in the last issue that force could be morphing, but we get the confirmation now that he's got the same morphing power that the uh, quorum somehow got d- guys DNA, which I don't want to know how, uh, and, Mixed it with major force. So. Well, I I have some I have some suspicions considering okay. how Martika was acting in those first couple of issues. Uh oh. Yeah, don't want to know how she collected that. And spit. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> well then. But speaking of Martika, we get her on page five, and I'm like. This looks nothing like her. One, she's in like a like a spandex full body costume. I mean, she's still got a sort of slinky dress over it, but and uh, you know, this is the one. This is the one negative I would have to say about uh, this. 
her facial features don't look like the Martika that we've seen in the earlier right. books. In fact, I think you mentioned I uh, thought she was honey at first. Yeah, the the person who was the quorum leader in the capital punishment storyline. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it did kind of take me out of, you know, it, it, well it didn't take me out of the book, but it was kind of out of place. It was also out of place that, you know, she's getting on the shield helicarrier, so I don't know what the hell that's all about, but Yeah, I mean the impression I I I've, I got was that she was supposed to be a magical character of some sort and now she's we need to have guy's dna and we've got to do this and we got to do that mm-hmm. yeah because you know initially that what we've seen her she's been sort of a psychic character who's yeah. been sort of a foil to to verona and guy or verona has been sort of protecting guy mm-hmm. from martika's mental powers so yeah maybe it's just them just kind of wrapping it up but the the fight it's it's all just fighting but the artwork i'm looking through it is just brutal mm-hmm. on on page six you know even though major force is taking out guy guy gets punches in and mm-hmm. he's i, I love like, the fact that he takes the weapon he was forming and mm-hmm. tries to use it on him yeah and it just it just disappears in his hand and he gets guy gets blasted and he doesn't go down i love that fact that yeah. guy does not go down. He's going to, to his dying breath, he's going to take Major Force out what, however he can. Uh, page 8, another, not a great splash, splash page, but a really good one with the sort of weird alien hands that Major right. Force is morphing on there. I mean, it's kind of weirdly framed. Mm-hmm. Which I think, I mean, so much of the, the action is in the upper panel the upper uh right hand side of the panel yeah that's why it it seems kind of off i think yeah again you know guy guy tries his best to fight him off you know there's really not that much to say because it's all art wise and you know just you know guy getting more beaten up and of course his shirt gets ripped off which Mm -hmm. is a little bit for the ladies here (laughs) But we get the we you know we get the reveal at the near the end here that I guess I'm I'm moving on to page fourteen. Do you have anything? Yeah, I'm I'm right there. Okay, page fourteen. You know, and we get why this is not a a code approved book because mm. we get a pretty brutal panel of right. force just ripping through guy, and that's I mean we don't. It could be worse. I think, uh, you know, I, I always hearken back when I think of horrific things in comics. I always hearken back to that issue of Green Lantern where Black Hand, you know, shoots himself in the head right. on panel. This, this still isn't even that bad. I mean, we see Force buried in the guy's chest up to almost his elbow, but it doesn't seem as horrific as that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, afterwards we've got the sort of Bruce Lee moment with a uh, major force, you know, having Guy's heart in his hand. Right. And then it's kind of ruined at the bottom with the yeah, with the the, <laughs> the gun mouth, the mouth cannon thing. <laughs> as as major force morphs a cannon out of his uh, mouth and blows Martika away. So, mm-hmm. but and, and this is you know. 
okay, one thing that I didn't that I didn't mention, and it was sort of in uh, Major Force's dialogue back in there. He was talking about how when Guy killed him, mm-hmm. oh, uh, there he, was nothing. That there was nothing. He just saw darkness and flames, and those flames burned. And it's, I think it's Bo Smith. Not really. Well, it's not so subtle. He's obviously talking about you know the afterlife and he what wants happens. To say on. that he was in hell without. Mm-hmm getting any religion in, into it in yeah. our and he doesn't book. you know he, he does he does mention here on page 13 that uh he's gonna make guy take his place in hell but mm. i don't think it's so overt he's not trying to force religion into the book it's just sort of subtly hinting at it and i i like it and i i, I also kind of which leads me back to the page where guy is reforming uh, you've got that panel where guys laying there and major forces right. reveling after he's killed off Martika. And it, you've got to kind of wonder as guys thinking to himself, oh man, that's me there lying there, you right. know, a hole in my chest dead. Is this essentially guy's soul, mm-hmm. or, you know, looking down on his body? I mean, it, you, you could take it, you know, as it's just guys, you know, last, dying thoughts but the fact that it's framed here as an overhead shot and you're looking down on guy that it could actually be guy going to his final reward and him looking at what's happening but uh, it, it's obvious he's obviously brought back because of his alien dna and reforming the heart right. and, but just you know him the idea of guy's soul ho- hovering over his body is something that I don't think you could get away in a lot of comic books. And Bo Smith, you know, does it in such a manner that it's not overtly, you know, emphasizing religion, but mm. it's kind of put in there. And I think, I think this may be another thing that Bo Smith kind of maybe feels strongly about. Maybe we can ask him about it. Cause I, yeah, again, mm-hmm. we're going to get to that. I swear we will last thing we do, but you know, we get the idea that the little gland, the little Valdarian gland guy had, bringing this back to life and then i love love the panel on page 16 as we get a close-up of guy's eye and then it opens he's back alive and we get and you know there's like a music sting in there yes this is a movie you know oh yes and then we get the the awesome spat now the awesome 90s splash of guy mm-hmm. because he is huge in his warrior outfit. I mean, he, I think he's even bigger than he was in that zero issue right. where they had the, the splash of him feeling pretty damn powerful for the first time. I mean, look at how stretched out those gloves are. Mm-hmm. The way the bird is draws them. Like he's just totally. Ex- yes. Roided the, the, up for the, the lack the, of a better the term. Fists are about to explode. And the, you know, <laughs> Say what you want about the anatomy, and I think the tendon work and the vein work mm-hmm. in the arms is a bit overblown, but it definitely adds to the feel of Guy being this massively angered, just ready to take major force out person. And uh, I, a, a, a little thing that I also noticed on here. The uh, yellow hole or the the hole in Guy's chest where right. force cut through him. Uh, the tattoo always used to be yellow, 
and mm-hmm. now yeah, it's as red. it's reformed, it's red. So it's it's kind of a neat aesthetic change. And you know whether you want to just claim it being sort of scar tissue from where his chest reformed, or whether it's a change in who he is, or whatever. It's it's a nice differentiation between it. But uh, then we get the panel of Force turning around and being incredulous and looking at the heart, <laughs> and realizing <laughs> that he is in trouble. And right. the 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 panels in the middle there with guy just taking his hand and then clenching it into fist and then just decking major. Even though he's at full power, he's still, it's, it's John Wayne in the quiet man. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's John Wayne standing up for himself at the end of that movie. And just, he's not going to use, he's not going to use his powers if he can help it still. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I love the fact that throughout the, pretty much the entirety of this book, it, isn't guy pulling weird weapons out of his shoulders or morphing guns or any sort of that goofy stuff that Bo Smith was sort of had to be forced to be doing. He took guy out as the fighter, as a two fisted man of action. Mm. And it's awesome to see that up until the end, that's how he fights major force with fists and with his will. So, the, however, the fact that it, in the end he uses the gun to blow through through Force's chest, that's basically just the finishing move. Because it's not a defeat, it's an execution. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because he, he, he shoves a grenade in his mouth. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, I'm taking you, to, I'm taking you to the slab. No, he is ending major force. And he mm-hmm. even says, you know, it's a special, quote-unquote, Boldarian MacGuffin grenade right. that's that's gonna implode and suck you into a void. So, you know, it's it's glorious. I I love this, and the the artwork just conveys the power throughout the entire book, and it's a wonderful, if not rushed, ending to the character. And and what ha- ends up what happens? Guy walks into well, in this case, it's the sunrise. Mm-hmm. He defeats the villain. He executes the bad guy. Walks off into the sunrise, mm-hmm. just like any Western hero. Yes, it's it's perfect. It is it is just amazing, and it it so summarizes what I like about the character of Guy Gardner that he's he is a no nonsense person who does the right thing who but is willing to get his hands dirty and is willing to if he has to do the things that other people don't want to do mm-hmm. and that's what i love about this run of the character it's we come it's back to awesome. something um michael bailey said in that episode that the three of us did mm-hmm. about how guy gardner is the gunfighter after he's vanquished the the big bad mm-hmm what does he do after that? And this is what both this is, I think, Bo Smith's conception of him from day one. And this is this is this whole ep, uh, issue has been Bo Smith trying to reinforce that because he knows somebody else is going to get a hands on his baby, mm-hmm. and it might. And sure enough, as we'll as I'm sure we'll see as we go, you know, deeper down the rabbit hole. And we start seeing him show up in Green Lantern again and maybe start showing up in uh, various, um, you know, country, uh, company-wide crossovers 
that people didn't get it. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm glad that Smith was at least able to take him out. You know, like mm-hmm. like he said, as he's the gunfighter who has finished ridding the city of the bad. And mm-hmm. now he, he's at peace. He has he's done his job and he his story has come to a close. And unfortunately, you can't have stories come to the to a close in in comic books. Being an ongoing narrative, you right. know, things are going to keep continuing. You're always perpetually in that second act. You can never come to a conclusion. You can't have, you know, Superman retire. Mm-hmm. You know, well, unless you're Alan Moore, and then you can. But uh, it's nice that Bo is able to take the character that he loved and that he created. Because I, I actually figure, even though Guy Gardner was an existing character before, mm-hmm. this iteration of Guy Gardner was a Bo Smith creation. And he's taken all the goofiness that's been done to him with the big guns and you know, all, all the stuff throughout the crossovers, and he's taken it back to how he wanted it. And he took Guy out the way that he wanted to take Guy out. And it's it's great. And even after that, he gives us another reminder that he is a deeper person because we get that first epilogue drawn mm-hmm. by uh, Tom Grummet. Yeah, but, and I, I'm always a fan of Grummet. Uh, Grummet does a good job uh, mm-hmm. of of drawing Guy. Uh, Hal's a bit off. Yeah, but it's a nice, it's a nice sort of quiet thing where Guy's going to mourn over uh, at the funeral of Aresia, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, well. Hal shows up and there could have been, there could have been fisticuffs. There could have been yelling and screaming, but not guy. He, he, mm-hmm. he realizes that despite everything that Hal has done, Hal wants to pay his respects and guy lets him. Yes. Guy, guys at least allowing him to do that. The sad mm-hmm. thing is, you know, how leaves a construct of Aresia above her. Which just proves that even as he's paralyzed, he has not changed. Because he's a heterosexual man. Does his thinking with his glands. Oh, oh. I will, I will, I will be eternally grateful. I will be eternally grateful to Mike's wife for that because that is. <laughs> I have gotten so much use out of the hooker gem line here, and why he leaves a construct of her in that outfit is just. Oh lord! It's like you would think if this was Hal Jordan, it would be you know, that it, kind of vaguely Romanesque outfit that she wore when they were together, mm-hmm. or even, or even the sort of miniskirt type thing. I mean, yeah. that wasn't. You know that was uh, attractive, but it wasn't it wasn't slutty like this. But uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But then I, I found this amusing. This was just sort of like they took a, a, a this was kind of like the mad. The next epilogue was sort right. of like the Mad Magazine 
Uh, well, they got the first. right artist to do it too. Oh and yes, Joe Staten. Staten, Joe Staten to come in and draw Guy Gardner, the actual "quote unquote" real Guy Gardner, in mm-hmm. who's uh, tearing up the DC offices in there, you know, because Bo Smith and Eddie Braganza ruined him as a character, and right. it's it's just a bunch of funny little quips, and we've got all the characters, we've got uh, Joe Duffy. Oh no, that's not. Yeah. Yeah, I um, guess it's Joe Duffy, and I don't know who KC is, but we've got uh, Scott Peterson, who's obviously the editor on the Bat Books. Right. And then we've got at the end Mike Carlin and Archie Goodwin and Denny O'Neill as the editors, as guys just trashing Bo Smith and Eddie Braganza. It's it's funny stuff. It's sadly, I don't think it's some. It, of the, it's kind of out of place in this mood piece of. An issue, to be fair. Well, and I, th- I, I agree with you there, but it's a nice little comedy bit that I think mm-hmm. Bo Smith can pull off. I think you know it's not. I, I think Bo Smith is kind of self-deprecating, and he's able to poke fun in himself, and it is a bit out of place, but it's fun nonetheless. And it does. You don't really have to include it in the book, but. It's nice that he brought Joe Staten back because Staten was the was the artist that for the longest time I, I associated most with the character of Guy Gardner. Mm-hmm. So the the fact that he's able to come in at the end of his series and draw a bit of Guy, if it's not the warrior guy, the original one true Green Lantern guy, right. it's kind of nice. But uh, I, I I I like the I like the whole thing. Who now? Kevin Dooley is, you know, taking it to Eddie Braganza saying, do it, guy, do it. Braganza's in this country illegally. <laughs> Which I read something online, and maybe this is one I was looking up in Wikipedia, but I guess it was something, did something happen with Eddie Braganza recently? Was there a sort of a shakeup with him? I don't. I, I am know. not sure, but okay. then we're talking about DC, which yeah. means that there's a shakeup every five minutes. Yeah, that's true. If there's not someone leaving the book or someone upset with what's going on, yeah. DC is just so crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of craziness going on there. But then we get a final, uh, not really an epilogue, but just an okay. See, this analog. to me would have been. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it, it's funny. The, the the second epilogue is funny, but this to me, once again, it this fits because it's a mood piece. Even if it's got that stupid <laughs> blue beetle, I still say blue beetle did it as a joke. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. But you know, it's it's just kind of a nice set piece. Guy yeah. sitting there at the at the table, you know, with some cards. Looks like mm-hmm. a tray of peanuts and a beer, and his warrior's cap, which I would pay cash money to have some warriors memorabilia warriors coffee mug a warrior's cap that would be so awesome it it surprises me because you know this is the tail end this is the beginning of the long dark walk that the comics industry takes but this is also the tail end of the 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 days of golden roses Mm -hmm. uh considering how warriors the bar continued to be a major part of the dc universe for a couple more years why nobody did you know like a warriors t-shirt or something Mm -hmm. well because i i remember someone talking to me about i think it was tom panneri saying that he heard someone was looking through his uh 
oh, I want to say either Ron Mars or someone or maybe Daryl Banks was looking through some of his old stuff and he found a Radu's Coffee coffee mug. So mm-hmm. they they marketed Radu's Coffee, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, for 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 sale on, on coffee mugs, but, you know, not a Warrior's Bar, like a Warrior's Bar Stein or Beer Stein right. or something like that. But it is what it is. But yeah, this this was a really good ending to to an unfortunately unjustly I think cut off you know cut off book. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I I I'm I'm sad that it's over, but I'm glad that it went out rather on a uh, I'm glad that it went out on a good note. I'm glad that it went out on a high note that it didn't just you know fade away and not really get any resolution. Bo Smith was able to take it out the way he wanted to. And I'm, I'm going to be eternally grateful that, you know, DC at least allowed him to do that. Mm -hmm. Now I wanted to ask you, um, since this is the end of the guy Gardner run, uh, are there any particular issues that, you know, for people out there, you would recommend that people pick up of, you know, the entirety of this guy Gardner run. Well, would think would be essential. Um, obviously we've got the, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Bo Smith run is pretty, pretty solid, mm-hmm. even yeah. with the black serpent and yeah, there, there are a few missteps in there. I mm-hmm. think there was one, there was one issue with long haired guy that Phil Jimenez wrote that wasn't all that good. Again, Campos's artwork started out kind of meh and got a yeah. bit better, but, uh, I think issues 22 and 23, mm-hmm. which were the ones that were the Naba Jungle ones, right. are priceless. Uh, Mitch Bird is kind of coming into his art, but right. there's some really fun stuff in that. Uh, the Chuck Dixon storyline with uh, Yesterday's Sins, yes. that that's a must-read. If, if you are a fan of Guy Gardner, regardless, you need to read Yesterday's Sins. That's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. That, and and that really wonderful touching. Christmas issue that we last covered. Mm-hmm. The yeah number thirty nine. The where... the Warriors issue that we covered because of course if you were ever curious about what DC the DC universe was like in the nineties, that's your book. And that is your jam. And one of the things that I I really was impressed with at the end of the book they've got sort of uh, you know fair they let all the creators say their farewells. In here, mm-hmm. Phil Jimenez says, Guy Gardner Warrior number 29 is the only work of mine ever published that I can look through without cringing in total embarrassment. That says something. and Especially I, considering who's saying it. Yeah. Well, and Phil Jimenez has drawn some amazing stuff. He is, oh, my gosh, yeah. He is a great artist. And the fact that he's at least uh, – and maybe this is just him speaking hyperbole for the ending mm-hmm. of this book. Although, but keep I don't mind also, so. we're looking at – Phil Jimenez circa 1996. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of Phil to go around, so yeah. to speak. But, you know, the the fact that here he's saying that, you know, it was something that he was really proud of, you know, uh, speaks volumes about it. And to, to its credit, you know, issue 29 of Guy Gardner is just some amazing, amazing artwork. I mean, it is... Like you've said, Jimenez obviously draws from the George Perez school of uh, you know art design of drawing, and he puts so much detail into that book that it is just 
it's stunning to look around and see all these characters and it's just a brilliant book so yeah that's a another one that if you are in any way interested in the sky gardener series go pick that up issue 29 go find that but yeah i might I, you know go even go harkening back to the beginning of the guy gardener warrior stuff or the guy gardener series the like the first seven issue arc where right guys uh going up against Goldface and all that with the state and art there it's it's not the best state and art but it's fun and right that's one of the things that I've loved so much about the Guy Gardner book and all of this is that it's so infrequent now that comic books are just fun reads. And throughout the entirety of the Guy Gardner run, I have not had really that many moments which I haven't had fun in reading the book. And, and this is a book that, that, that can be very violent as we've just remarked. But you can be violent and still have a sense of fun. The problem, as we know, from is that nowadays they forgot about the fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, I want to point out, since we're still on the letter page, yeah, I want to point out the first letter in the letter page section from Chaz Adams, mm-hmm. where he's giving the top ten reasons why uh, Warrior is such a great comic. I love the fact that Guy, because this is still during the time when Guy is quote-unquote responding, he refers, this guy's a classic like Meat and Potatoes, The Old Red, White, and Blue, and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Once again, I that's I just find that funny, that, that I'm not the only person who apparently picked this up. No. Uh, that, that, is what, that is what Guy wanted to be. He wanted to be the archetypical sort of, like you said, the, the sort of Western hero, the, mm-hmm. and not the spaghetti Western man without a name, the, 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 the classic Western hero, the, 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 the Jimmy Stewart, the, the, the John Wayne character, you know, just, right. And it's, it's sad that, you know, I'm going to have to be searching for, you know, I've got a couple of annuals that I'm going to cover for Guy Gardner, but, this is kind of be the end of uh, me covering Guy Gardner. I mean, I've got a lot of fun stuff to cover with Kyle, but right. And and and, Guy and, will and you up. and I are going to be getting together again a number of times. I mean, we've already talked about some of the issues mm-hmm. you want me to come back for. Oh, definitely. Um, but it, it is not the same. I mean, because Guy becomes one of those like wandering minstrels who shows up. I think he shows up in, um. I think he shows up most prominently next in uh, Our Worlds at War, which is a long ways away. Yeah. But he's in like kind of like in the background during uh, like the Evil Within, and he's in the background of the Long Night. And... Yeah, the, yeah the, the final night thing. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. there a bit. But yeah, he he's relegated to a secondary character, and not even a secondary character. He's you know, even a tertiary character. Uh, yeah, and, and sadly, he reverts almost immediately back to the JLI mm-hmm. uh, mental um, profile of the character. Yeah, which is which is sad because both Dixon, you know, it, Jones, Dixon, and Smith have advanced the character of Guy and taken him from that buffoonish character that was you know, written in the Inglehart and state and run a Green Lantern mm-hmm. taken through the, uh, Mateus and Giffen justice league. Yeah. 
and hey, they've turned him around and made him a fully formed and interesting character. And it's sad that it'll kind of be written away, you know, just right after this done. So I, I'm I'm sad to see him go. I'm sad to see this iteration of Guy Gardner go. And I'm sad that nowadays in the DC universe that that this Guy Gardner, this version of Guy Gardner, is kind of looked on as an aberration. A, yeah, or yeah, looked on negatively because it doesn't deserve that. This is really good storytelling. I'm going to go drink now. Okay. <laughs> but somehow I think both Guy and the manly Wi-Fi of manliness Bo Smith would approve. <laughs> well, sorry to end this show on sort of a downer. <laughs> but, you know, it's the last issue. I, I, I'm going to miss covering this kind of stuff. But unfortunately, I'm not going to miss covering stuff with you because you will definitely back. You know, you are oh, always yeah. there, there's another There's a, a number of things we've talked about, including mm-hmm. I think that there's coming up fairly soon some relationship situations with uh, Kyle that you and I have to address. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to be something I'm looking forward Sad to. Sexual man. <laughs> I'm so I'm so amazed that this first part of this book was just us yucking it up, and then it turns you know sort of bleak and moody at the end. That's that's a perfect uh, perfect run of the gamut of emotions for this. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go ahead, Thomas. I know we've said this many times before, but I want to promote your stuff out there. Why don't you go tell people where on the internet people can find you? Okay, uh, nowadays every three weeks. You can listen to Better in the Dark um, at uh, Earth2.net. Um, also, I'm on this show called Who True Freaks Every Month, mm-hmm. where apparently it seems like a bunch of people get together just to see me and Shag fight. <laughs> By the way, f*** you, Shag. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> it's, um, Porsche. I mean, I think um, next month, in fact, next month we're, we, we're going to talk about the demons that was an interesting show (laughs) (laughs) the way it ended up and we're all going like oh how Um, did you get this far away um Um, but yeah we just uh, as of this recording the uh eccleston episode just came out and after that's demons so yeah Hmm. look forward to that and we're doing the tv movie next right yeah the tv movie is next we're gonna talk about seen since its original airing back in Uh, the time so yeah um and of course i know you want me to bring up um the the novel which Mm-hmm. is hope we're just waiting for those last four illustrations and then it's going to be a go and it'll be available through kindle through amazon new roads to hell brand new superhero universe see i got rather than get really pissed off at what dc did i decided to make my own universe and and from what i we, from that promo that you've done mm-hmm. this stuff sounds really interesting i can't it's, wait to read this i've got that the second book is almost finished i've got uh, a new Don Quavo story who's like my since we were talking about guys John Wayne Don Quavo who is my you know weird western frontier exorcist character that story is finished it's going to be hopefully in an upcoming volume of how the west was weird cool um and some other things I can't just 
mentioned just yet, but yeah, there's lots of stuff coming, and uh, you can read it all. And of course, if you want to see, you know, there's also "Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes." Then mm-hmm. statements about, it, and we're we're entering the Peter Davison era in "Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes." Ooh, <laughs> I'm certain. I'm certain Shag will be you know, oh, Shag tuning is, in Shag every week to see <laughs> to see how you eviscerate the the peter davidson episodes well it's like we said on the i think it was the Earthshock episode mm-hmm. i don't i don't blame davison for that era yeah it's it you know it's he's a guy who was trying to find his way but uh, um and of and uh sing along scriptures and the nocturne travel agency those are the three blogs you can find me there so there we go awesome and of course sean can be found in addition to on who true freaks and right here he can be found on the Vault, the Startling Monster Horror Terror. Yeah. Mont- uh, Still doing the Italian stuff yes, at the moment? We, uh, last we did Suspiria, and I think we're <sighs> coming up. Uh, Luke is kind of not really on hiatus. He just had a, a daughter, so I'm certain mm-hmm. his life is just crazy, how he is able to get anything out. He got out a couple of Earth Destruction directives. Yes. And we're going to be doing Tenebre next. Which oh, is, that's a – I was – I mean, Suspiria is, is – Suspiria is pretty classic. insane. Oh, it is, that's it is, wild. Um, but yeah, Tenembre is that. That is a that is honestly, and now that I know more about it, it is a classic giallo. It is a crime story, mm-hmm. and it is a great movie. I can't. And we're also I'm almost doing... tempted to ask you guys to check out "Don't Murder a Duckling." What is that? "Don't Torture a Duckling," which is another Italian giallo. Mm-hmm. And it features one of the weirdest. It's like one of the plot. There's like a plot element that is so weird. It's like it's about chickens. It ref- <laughs> Wait for the when they start talking about the chickens in that movie. You're gonna be like, going, I can't believe somebody thought of this." Okay, I will. I'll, I'll Don't mention torture it. a duckling. Don't torture. Bring it up duckling. to them. Um, but yeah, Dario Argento, not a well man. <laughs> See, I loved. You know, again, tangent. I love the early stuff that we did with Mario Bava. That mm-hmm. he was. He, he, a lot of people could say that he was uh, aping certain people, like Hitchcock, but yeah. he did it in such an interesting way that he made it his own. He made it his own thing, and it was. Did you ever see his superhero movie Diabolic? Yes, in fact. <laughs> I love that movie. Sadly, I want when I become a super rich evil mastermind. I want that headquarters, and I want Melly uh, Melly Mel. <laughs> You're gonna I want a henchwoman like that, so I can roll around all day on my bed full of about hundred dollar bills. You're gonna hate me for this. The, yes. the place where I saw Diabolic it was on Mystery Science Theater. Like yes, it was. <laughs> but, try and, to... but it was fun. Oh, I'll give it that. It was fun. Try to see the. It is out on. They did do a DVD release. Okay. Try to see it without the Mystery Science Theater through that. But it's okay. it's such a great film, and it's probably one admit, of the purest comic book movies I've ever seen. I I will admit it does have it does have a beautiful look to it, and it it, it does look fun. And oh yes, that that female is she, she died of all, cancer. Holy, fortunately. Yeah. About ten years after she made this movie, she was. And it's, oh, it's it, spooky God. There is something about her that just exudes sex in mm-hmm. every way, shape, and form. Uh, oh. I'll be in my bunk. Okay. <laughs> anyway, 
Yes, there we are when we talk about yes. Yeah, so so and all of these can be found through the Two True Freaks network. Definitely. Yeah. Make sure you go to Two True Freaks. Uh, Thomas is now kind of associated with it. So hopefully you will be I'm able to avoid the demonstration. The arrival of the assistants. <laughs> oh wow. Well, Thomas, again, thank you for coming on the show. You Sean, know it's that always a be pleasure back. to be here. And I am I'm so glad that I was able to share, you know, this this final issue of Guy Gardner Warrior with you here. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we hope that you'll make it back next time. We've got another guest host coming in to cover issues 76 of Green Lantern. That's and right. We've got hard traveling heroes coming. Part up. two, and uh, a good friend of yours, Mr. DJ, will be on the show. Uh, uh, a certain podcaster who does a Superman podcast. So he'll be here next week with us to talk about those issues. So. Until then, we'll see you all next Friday, and thanks for listening to Just One of the Guys, a member of the Two True Freaks family of podcasts. Good night, everybody. And just remember, Hal Jordan is a heterosexual man. <laughs> You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingram. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the tendencies of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to know it. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcome. All spam bots are warmly welcome, too as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, or search for Two True Freaks, the new rule 2, and you can subscribe to either the show or Two True Freaks there. You can also search me on Facebook, and now you can actually find me there, as it was a requirement of my new DeMontecourt contract. But it still doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Mafia Awards group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenland. Uh, I've got to tell you, getting all those people together to do that, to do the voice work for the promo, that was good stuff. I and, was so I was so happy and, that everybody uh, jumped up and said, "I'll do it, I'll do it." Oh, Tom, I, oh, Tom, they, people love your stuff. People love your show, and I, I know Bill Robinson. He's got a great voiceover voice, and mm-hmm. and all the people put you know did a and, and great I'll, job of portraying stuff. I'll tell you the truth. Um, one of the things, because this is one of my great passions that I've never got a chance to do, is is audio drama. Oh, that'd be cool. And one of the things that I wanted to do because this is the tenth anniversary. This year is the tenth anniversary of Dylan. the The first book came out, you know, back in two thousand and three. And what I wanted to do, and I haven't got around to because I haven't at the time, is do a sort of like. We're going to adapt a Dylan short story for radio. And get like sound effects and get Kellen to do yeah. some music for it. Yeah, Kellen's going to be Dylan. Oh, cool. 
And um, the the plan is for me to be Eli, which is like Dylan's mentor, you know, old friend. And uh, knowing that I've got a, a group that I'll say, yeah, I'll do this. This is cool. The worst, and it's in one of the earliest episodes of Better in the Dark, and I don't even remember how it happened. There's this we're, – it's, it's the episode about the Fantastic Four. And we're talking, and at one point you hear me just go, Roger Corman, Roger Corman, Roger Corman. <laughs> like I'm looking in the mirror hoping he'll appear. <laughs> By the way, I wish I had heard the uh, uh, Who True Freak 6 before we recorded this Saturday because um, nobody brought up the um, the Eccleson, the class Eccleson gave about a year ago. Where he revealed the real reason he left. No, what the hell was that? I, don't, I have no idea what that's he's, all about. He's teaching an acting class nowadays okay. in, in one of the universities. And somebody asked him about Doctor Who. And it was like the first time, it, it was the first time apparently he actually talked about this. And it turns out that he wanted, when he came in, he was planning on being there longer. But as he puts it, the character I was I wanted to play was not the character they wanted, and that is their right because they are the producers, they are the people who um, who are putting up the money for this. But I did not feel comfortable playing it, and I felt it was better for me to leave than than be unhappy. And if you look at the later half of season one, with that in mind, you can see there are certain episodes, particularly like the long game. Where he looks so thoroughly bored. And I think it's just he and apparently he and Russell T. Davies did not get along after all. As much as well as I think he thought he would, they were going to get along. Hmm. Do you have any do you have any suggestions for music? Any because uh, I appreciate you, you know, writing in about uh, the one we did for number thirty nine. Yeah. That I, I I remember. I was thinking Christmas music, Christmas music. And I was thinking, you know, Bing Crosby. And then I thought, holy cow. I, I would almost say that. Cats in the Cradle, given that we're talking about Dark Side's neglected son. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. 